0: baby she's got it i still have my seatbelt on nice that's amazing you should always be wearing a seatbelt when you talk to me lacy i thought you knew that (laughs) buckle up so chad genie what a guy do you think he has his own theme song if he doesn't he should but something tells me that every time he starts pedaling really hard into the mountains alone there's a queen song playing in the background (laughs) i don't know which one but one of them something anthemic Or it's whatever the Broncos theme song is. He's got a theme song, whatever it is. He definitely has a theme song. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. We talked about uh, some of the adventures and misadventures he's had riding with his heroes. Why he moved to Colorado, which is that he found out that he was distantly related to a world champion mountain biker who happened to be his hero. And I'll let. I'll let him tell that tale in a moment. I don't know. He's pretty, he's just stoked, man. This guy is just super stoked. He's stoked about training people. He's stoked about riding bikes. He's stoked about Kona. He's stoked about almost everything. He's stoked about fatherhood. It was pretty rad to talk to him. Yeah, I think that's a great description of Chad. He's been wrapped up in the Kona family for a long time. When I uh, put out the call for ambassadors this year, I had a lot of people steer me in Chad's direction because he's just exudes... Like the good times vibe that we try to embody as a company. Chad has stories. Chad has history. Chad is funny and quirky and like the best kind of weird. Chad is everything that you want in ambassador. He's just brings so much personality to the table. And I think that's just such a cool aspect. He also has chops because it sounds like the guy is a ripper on a bike. Yeah, he can shred for sure. So that that's always helpful. Not Not required, but very helpful. Definitely. All that said, and since I know everyone here is just chafing at the bit to hear Chad tell his stories about action and mishaps with Famous Pros, uh, let's get right to it. Sounds good. Enjoy, everybody.
1: Chad. James, what's up, man? Hey, man. How's it going? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, totally good.
0: Awesome. Cool. So, Chad Genie, where are you right now?
1: I'm in Durango, Colorado nice and is that that's where you live yeah yep Uh, been here since 98 what brought you to colorado yeah mountain bikes man my heroes
0: oh yeah where are you from where did you start mountain biking before you came to colorado where were
1: you i was born and raised in bend oregon so kind of fell in love with the sport there yeah and then just followed my all my heroes were from durango and i was like what is this place so found out there was a college and made it happen
0: heck yeah man and it, it lives up to your expectations no doubt
1: totally took took a little while to, to to catch on but yeah
0: well i mean i would imagine like any any bike mecca or any sort of town that's like a small town but a mecca for something you got to kind of show up and, and earn your stripes and get to know the right people
1: totally yeah Yeah, you know, back, I mean, that was like in the late nineties, it was in central Oregon. It was pretty hip to be an endurance cyclist. So I, uh, I wanted to be a professional mountain bike racer for sure. Downhill or cross country. So those, those are my heroes like Miles Rockwell, Greg Herbold, Tomac, Overend. I just wanted to like go where they lived and see what made them so awesome. So yeah, I wanted to be a pro racer.
0: And did you, in getting to Durango, I know you've gotten to ride with some heavy hitters. Did you get to ride with all your heroes?
1: Yeah, well, I kind of had an in. My My second cousin is Greg Herbold. So, yeah, I don't know if you know who he is, but he's a 1990 downhill world champion. The first official world champion, and I'm like distant, distant cousins <laughs> with him, and I kind of found it out a, on totally random Actually I'll just tell you really quick. I had his Yeah, please do. My aunt my aunt and uncle came over to the house and I was outside. You know, I was probably like fourteen or so. I was outside with my buddies racing on our little downhill track through the woods. And they're like, Come in, your aunt and uncle are here, they want to talk to you and I was like, All right, I gotta stop racing. You know, we were like timing our each other. And I had my little Mizuno, my like Ricky Henderson edition sliding gloves for baseball and I had chopped the fingers off and on the knuckles I had H ball, sharpied on each knuckle, and that was Greg Herbold's nickname. So I was out there pretending to be Greg Herbold, and I go in. My aunt and uncle are like, you know, you have a cousin who races mountain bikes, and I was like, yeah, 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 whatever. And they're like, his name is Greg Herbold, and I was like, what the? (laughs) And I just, I had like posters on my wall, like I had chosen his nickname as mine. It was crazy. So my hero became my. Cousin, and so did you immediately hit him up? Like, what's up? Kinda. I was. I was always a bad, like, free sticker getter kind of kid. Um, <laughs> so it took it took me a while, and he didn't believe me. He's kind of, you know, he's he's playing offense or defense, I guess. I should, I was playing offense, but he was definitely like, yeah, I don't believe you, you little kid. You know, yeah. Right. So a long long time later, I made it out to to, uh, to the Cactus Cup down in Phoenix and. I met him with my family and he, he finally believed me. And and then it was, then it was cool. Nice. So I got to ride with him. Yeah.
0: Do you still keep in touch? Do you guys still ride together? Does he still ride?
1: You know, he does still ride. We're both so busy and on different trajectories. It's so hard to hook up, but we, we have a bunch. Yeah, for sure. But not as much as I would love to, or, or I dreamt as as a kid, you know, Yeah. Well, in your head,
0: you're probably like, I'm going to go to Durango. We're going to shred together every day. It's going to be insane.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, it wasn't. I was, I kind of hid in the bushes for a few years until I earned my stripes, as you said, you know?
0: I hear that from talking to Lacey at Kona that you're a longtime Kona fan. Um, And she told me that you're like an encyclopedia of mountain biking. What brought you that level of obsession? Just your love of the sport? Because some people get into mountain biking and like, you know, my parents were both professional bike racers, like road bikes, and they don't have like a deep encyclopedic knowledge of, of road racing. Whereas like, I grew up loving skateboarding and can tell you like team rosters from the early eighties, but was never super good at it. I just broke my bones a lot.
1: Well, just like that, just like you said, it was just uh, those pubescent years of idolizing sport. I mean, for me, I guess it was baseball, football, basketball cards. You just grow up collecting and learning names and numbers and putting faces to teams and i just you know i was really into ball sports and then i had this new sport of cycling that i love and it was just easy for me to be like oh here's a pro team these are the riders these are their stats so i think i was just born and raised through ball sports to like keep track of stats and teams and names
0: yeah i hear that you're a huge football fan
1: you know, I kind of like play that up a little bit. I am, I, I, you know, the hype is just so amazing and how it just captivates so many millions of people in the U S like I'm a fan of that kind of craziness. So, but I do love the beauty of a season of sport and following a team through the ups and downs. And so it's kind of like more like that, the romanticism of football. But when I, the story a football player like i'm just like Ugh, i'm so glad i didn't end up playing football
0: especially if you meet one who's retired he's like i
1: can barely walk the oh traumatic dude. brain injury totally. like,
0: just destroyed i'm um, like totally. i have all the money but i can't move
1: or i'm only 22 and i can't ever play with my friends again because nobody right. plays football after 20 you know it's like yeah, we're so <laughs> lucky cyclists
0: yeah man so what do you do what's your job you're a, i hear you train racers is that right
1: yeah, totally. I'm a, I'm the head endurance coach up at Fort Lewis College here in Durango. So I coach mountain bike, um, cyclocross and road, and I also do all the social media for the Fort Lewis Cycling Team. And then I'm I'm also the co-creator. So I started Durango Devo in 2006. So I'm like I do all kinds of things for them over the years, but. Currently, I do all their social media, and I'm kind of like the competition head coach. Just kind of like the, I'm 41, but I, I'm starting to feel like I'm getting old, you know? Like the <laughs> kids understand. don't think I'm cool anymore. <laughs> I'm 44, but and I hear you. <laughs> yeah, you know? Like, I can't run from the cops anymore. So, <laughs> So it's kind of like I'm phasing out, and I'm trying to, like, inspire the next round of rad coaches you'd want to fall around town all day
0: nice and do you as someone who's so tied into the racing scene especially the younger racers what what's your take on it i mean obviously right now there there like isn't a racing scene but how do you feel yeah. about the state of racing there's an intensity to mountain biking right now in a lot of yeah. ways i
1: mean covid aside totally no you're right like i think the junior endurance race crowd is I don't. I don't want to say all time high, but it kind of feels like it. Like the kids, because of Strava, and just learning what others do in different regions of the country and even the world. Like t- the training levels have just jumped in ten years. The you know what kids are doing, and I, I'm going to just blame it totally, in good or bad, on Strava. It's amazing what <laughs> kids do now to train compared to ten years ago, but. I think overall it's good and also there's like almost equal growth in and I'm not an expert in this and we're in the super competitive town of Durango so you can't like fully quote me it's just off my head but just the lifestyle riders and the kids that want to like grow up and just ride bikes their whole life I think that is at an all-time high too like kids are just like well I may or may not race but this is something I'm gonna like latch onto for life like i feel like that's more than ever whereas when i was a junior it was like i'm gonna race until someone tells me i can't or i or i overdo it or i hate it and then i'm probably not gonna ride again like now wow. we're seeing kids who are like i'm gonna take photos i'm gonna video i'm gonna learn how to commute or i'm gonna go bike pack or
0: yeah there's you know, a whole so that's, culture that's
1: exciting it. Totally, yeah.
0: the bike packing culture adventure cycling or whatever they want to call it now really really growing and like there's this it's got its own like little niche and like subculture of brands and and heroes and and everything and i think i think a lot of that people just find through social media you know and it gives them something totally. to connect to where it's like you know maybe you recognize that you're never going to be john tomac right but you're like oh but yeah. i can be this dude on a steel bike with like a dangle bong, just chilling in the woods Totally, Totally. there's a little something for everybody. So, which brings up a question I was told I should ask you, and that's if you were the governor of mountain biking, what would you change about it?
1: Ah, what would I change? That's a good, that's a good tough question. I guess I don't know. I would almost say like every every pre eighteen program needs to just really have that ball sports developmental programming and like take away the numbers game you know like give kids a team some role models some I mean a lot of communities are doing this everywhere but there's still so many like numbers and training driven programs out there that just you know kids come out of that good and a lot of them burn out of the sport from those kind of programs maybe I'd change that you know make make cycling, fun at a young age and stop trying to like you know my kid can do this at five <laughs> years old and he's going to be so badass and then we'll never hear about him again you know
0: <laughs> hey, everyone wants their kid be to be the next Lance I know, Armstrong our, or, or, or Lance Armstrong I pre, kids, pre Oprah yeah. do your kids love bikes
1: yeah they do my little two-year-old just started really looking like she loves bikes and my four-year-old is is a lover of bikes and ball sports too he just but yeah i guess that would be my answer just make cycling fun at a young age mandatory
0: i think everything that we make kids do should be should be fun you know i have i have a 17 mm-hmm. year old daughter and there comes a, a certain age like where if it's not fun they're just not going to do it and yeah and so especially if you want to inspire them to to do things or to get outside or to to love the things that you love then like have that sense of ownership in it, then you really need to make it something that they enjoy doing, not something where you're like, Get on yeah. the bike and paddle, you little shit. Like that doesn't Yeah. I don't know. You see that like but the it... the whole like parent coach thing is so heavy yeah. and weird.
1: It's so hard though, as a parent, you want to. Like you just always yeah. biting your lip. You're just like, No, don't say it. Don't say it <laughs> And then you just burst out like, Get up the hill, come on. You can do it, you know and you're like, No, I was trying to just be cool was <laughs> no, hard.
0: The stories I hear about you is that you've ridden with like the craziest legends on all your home trails out there. What are some of the standout rides or standout like crazy stories you have
1: from that? Um, you know, like honestly, I yeah, from that Elway video I did. I mean, I yeah, when I was younger, I rode with some a lot of my heroes, and I got invited on some things that were pretty cool. Um, I guess just randomly, that's off the top of my head. I got asked to uh lead out Brandon Semenek and like the Rock Shox crew in, in Durango. On some, I had to find them some really rowdy rock downhills to film Semenek shredding and to show off the new Rock Shock suspension. And I showed up on like a carbon single speed <laughs> Trek you know, some goofy, like, beater passion bike that I had, and Semenek, like, wouldn't even look at me. He was just disgusted. He's like, this is the guide. You know, he couldn't, like, fathom. He had to, you know, follow me around, and he was young, too. I think he's, like, 19 or 20, and I was, like, 30-something, and uh, I gave him a good time, but in the end, he liked me, but it was just kind of a, it was a moment of truth where I was like, okay, Cheney, you know, you gotta, you got to do the right thing, shred hard, show these guys what's fun, you know, and not be too worried about how you look or what you're riding. Why did you so, choose I mean, that, that was, bike? I, well, that's all I rode for a few years. Like I was pretty into single speeding and, and I never have been one to have, like, I've always in my hero's bikes. Like I never really until Kona actually bought my own bikes so i usually like ended up with one or like Herbold would lend me one or i'd get sponsored or i'd test bikes for trek or mountain flyer magazine so i guess i'm kind of a mooch kind of like that's why i had that bike it was just travis brown who's a trek guy saw me riding this mrazic um this old aluminum elevated chainstay bike and it had a crack in the bb shell and i had like engineered this leather strap that if the BB shell did snap off from like too much watts you know this leather strap would prevent the BB shell from slicing my Achilles tendon in half and and it was a big crack too it was like could go at any moment but i had it all strapped up and he was like dude he's like you can't be doing that and i was and i like won i beat him in some single speed race that i threw and after that he gave me He gave me this bike. It was on my porch one day, and I was like, oh, that's – and so it's like a – that bike in particular, just a ramble, is two two unique carbon OCLV Trek frames that they made just for Travis in like the early days of Single Speed Worlds. And he gave me the other one because he didn't like the way it rode or whatever. But anyway, that's kind of – That's right. (laughs) Do you still have that bike? I do. And it's and it's in like mint shredding condition, but oh, I don't yeah. ride it anymore because it's just it's so hard to ride a two-sixer with skinny bars when you have... I ride the Kona 134 right now. Yeah. And then I also have a Kona 2017 Kona Hey Hey CRDL that I have single-speeded out. So that bike I oh, have wow. is a single-speed. And then I nice. have a Kona Jake the Snake. So I love... I love these bikes big time. Do you
0: find that, that you'll get a bike and then you'll be like, all right. And then you get so into that bike. Like that's the only bike you ride. Even if it's like not the appropriate one from your quiver for a certain moment. I do that or I'll, I'll just be like, okay, I got the, the wozo, the, like the Hanzo fat bike. And I was like, this bike is so rad. And then it's like, I'm going on like, you know, urban rides with friends. And I'm like, I'm just going to ride this. I'm so stoked on it. And they're just like, all right, dude, yeah, like, totally. keep up. And I'm like, uh, I'll figure totally. it out.
1: I <laughs> know. <laughs> bikes just, pump just these grow up, so there are.
0: They do. Totally. And then I It's like, it's all about the imagination. You know, like yeah. if it captures your imagination, it can be like the grimiest, just gnarliest Frankenbike ever. But if you're oh, like, totally. this is the one. It's gonna outperform like the the swankiest high tech robot bike totally. every time. Yeah, may, at least for may me. Maybe
1: not actually outperform, but you just get in this state where in your mind, you it's just like gives yeah. you that magic feeling, and that's the performance. You know that. Yeah, yeah. Not a You're number. Right. It's just a feeling. <laughs> I yeah. definitely
0: wasn't keeping up with my friends on their. You know their race yeah, bikes, but know. but the stoke level was so high that it didn't it didn't matter. You know I was happy totally. sounding like a a battle like a battalion of tanks coming down the road like.
1: Yeah, that that's the thing about this one thirty four that I have. Like it is actually a performance enhancer. Like I go faster on it. It's cra- downhill, of course. Uphill, yeah. not so much yet because it's just so big and, but it's incredible. When I do ride it, I'm just like, holy shit, I'm going so fast. But I, or I, It's like I'm not going fast, but then I look at my time and I'm like, wow, that was like comfortably faster.
0: Well, that's the, so, yeah. I mean, that's where the magic comes in where it's like, you feel like you're getting rad. You're pushing an envelope you don't know you're pushing because you're so comfortable. And it's because totally. the bike is doing its part to kind of eat that up and, and make it happen for you. Yeah. Yeah, that's totally. a magic combination. Is that your your yeah. go-to bike right now?
1: Um. Yeah, since the little COVID break, I mean, typically this time of year, I'm like coaching, like I'm riding with kids, the Devo kids, you know, five to seven times a week. So I'm just kind of like pedaling to this rec center and then leading them on like sweet mountain bike rides and throwing little short tracks and downhill races and not really putting a ton of mileage in, not really burning up the brakes that much. But since... (laughs) Since COVID, man, I've been doing like all my dream rides. And so <laughs> yeah, just last week I was like, Why are my brakes sound so horrible? We only have like <laughs> three hundred miles on this new bike. And then I like went to my Strava and checked out my bike in the gear section. And I was like, What? I had like nine hundred miles on it. Hadn't like <laughs> changed the pads or the chain.
0: <laughs> I oh, just no.
1: spent another five hundred bucks on all that stuff i blew it out big time like total rookie move (laughs) oh man yeah
0: with the covid what what are the racing kids even doing like there there are no races do you think there will be some do you think it's going to come around
1: yeah yeah usa cycling just came out with their little update like literally just in the last half hour and i'm I'm pretty, I have a good feeling that mountain bike nationals, it all depends on the ski industry and if their mountains will open to public action, you know? So it really is state by state on the little mountain, whatever their little conglomerate is. But I don't know. But the kids, since they're so connected on Strava, I'd say like 75% of them have continued to train and maybe even more and more efficiently because of covid so i'm not actually too worried and then i've had the kids i personally coach i've had more time to like because i'm not coaching groups i've been able to go ride with them and just get so much quality coaching time in like i've been super inspired since covid i'm like damn like i'm putting this to action now you know like this is so it's been a good good little break
0: yeah it must be nice too for the kids to to not have to worry about like jumping right into a season two and be able to kind of stretch out a little bit and focus on like have that breathing room to focus on on you know whatever skill set they need to be focusing on to get faster better
1: yeah ideally i mean i think most teenagers though just have no big picture it's like five percent of them have a big picture outlook on things so uh, you know most of them there is some anxiety and some questioning and you know and actually working on your weaknesses like you know as you and i know too it's hard just to initiate that on your own so i think that's what they miss the most is us coaches being there on a weekly basis saying hey Remember, this is your goal and this is what you needed to work on to be badass at that, you know. So I think that's probably what they missed most is like the riding, they're fine, but maybe just the direction of what us coaches typically would give them.
0: So as a a lifelong mountain biker and as a coach, what would you say? Is the one piece of advice you can give to like the average everyday rider that could up their game? What's something um, that the average, not the average like wanna be pro racer, but just the average yeah, like weekend warrior type? What's totally. the one area where they're usually blowing
1: it? Yeah, I think probably besides would not have to getting be... drunk before every ride. Totally. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Besides the nutrition and the slap deprivation part that us adults typically do, I would say. Probably just never forget the feeling, which is kind of this tagline that I've had since I was a little junior. But like every mountain biker has that moment when they're on the ride and they're like, I am John fucking Tomac or whoever it is. You know, they're like, I am so badass right now. I just rode that trail. I just destroyed that turn or your first drift. And you're just like, what? I just drifted. You know, you have that little feeling where you are a fighter pilot and you just destroyed the trail. And you're like, I am all time high. And then we all had the rides where we would go out and we're like, oh, my God, I suck. I hate this sport. My bike sucks. Look at that guy. He's so badass. You know, we're like the whole ride. We're like, or we're riding behind our buddy. And we're like, fucking Stu, slow down. You're going too fast. We said we were going to ride easy. And now you're taking me up this trail and you're like bitching in your mind the whole time. Those moments, you have to remember that amazing fighter pilot feeling that we've all had. So I would say like any beginner, you got to like know that there's going to be good days and bad days and you're out there fishing for a good day, you know, and those good days are one of the best feelings on planet Earth when you're just in the zone, you're focused, You're attacking. You're not thinking about, you know, the computer. You're not thinking about that fight you just got in. You're just in the zone and you're the pilot. And that feeling right there is just what I would say. Just try to remember that on your bad days that, you know, go home, drink a few beers and then know that maybe tomorrow will be a better day. You know, they can't all be amazing. so. I think that's what happens. People have too many bad days in a row. And then they're just like, you know what? Screw this. I'm out. I don't, I can do other things with my time. But if you just keep at it, you just end up loving it more and more and more. It's that feeling we're all after. I think that's
0: totally true and an an awesome place to leave this. Chad, thank you so much. I really appreciate it, man. Sweet, James. Talking shit about a pretty sunset Blanket and opinions that I'll probably regret soon
1: Changed my mind so much I can't even trust it My mind changed me so much I can't even trust myself